And we are live with our 61st episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Seth Law, at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again. Um, I'm in a you know random location this week, so enjoy the new background, I guess, for you know for the time being. That's that's how these things go. Um, we've been off air for a couple of weeks. Ken and I were in Tel Aviv at, uh, for AppSec Global. Uh, that was great. Uh, Tanya, you were there too, weren't you? Yes. I want to say I know. It was it was an awesome couple of days oh, yeah. and. Uh, nice to get to the beach and you know take a little bit of break off. There was a lot that came out of it. Um, there were some really good talks, and maybe we can we can jump on some of those. Uh, Tanya, we're gonna you know pick your brain. Obviously, we have Tanya with us today. Uh, we're super happy to have her on. People have been asking, um, but you know, we'll, we'll get into introductions and everything else. I I don't think there's a lot on our uh, like agenda for today as far as um, announcements. Ken, can you think of anything outside of you know what we've mentioned already? Uh, no, I think that the CFT, CFP for AppSec USA already closed. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to be doing a second round, but I know that uh, that's coming up. So um, look look out for AppSec USA in DC. And um, I know there's uh, another one. In, oh, you know what we didn't say publicly, which we should probably mention is uh, we did get accepted for Black Hat Europe. So we will yes. be doing our course at um, in London, uh, December 2nd through... The fifth or something like that. So, yeah, Got yeah, that going on. Yeah, we're super excited about that. Um, so, like, if you're going to be in London, you're going to be there for Black Hat. Consider us for training. Uh, it's our secure code review. It's our excellent adventures in secure. Our Seth and Ken's excellent adventures in secure code review. Right? There's a really long title, but it's <laughs> it's fun and it dates us quite a bit. Um, the, yeah, the I like other, the obscure references that nobody yeah. ever understands. That's the best part of it. <laughs> no, no one ever laughs. They're like, wait, is that Keanu Reeves? And we're like, yes, yes, it is. Yes. Um, other than that, I actually can the AppSec Global Amsterdam, that call for papers or call for training is open now as well. So if, if people are interested in going to Amsterdam, that's going to be September sometime. Okay. Um, I'm going to try. We, we can yeah, get the link up. I think AppSec Day in Melbourne is still open as well. That's true. Are you, are you going to be there this year, Tanya? I think you were. I'm going to be there. I'm so excited. That's, that that was one of our favorite conferences last year. So, you know, we'll have to go, you know, we'll have to do an absolute AppSec, you know, dinner or something like that. There's great food and, you know, Julian's awesome. Yes, he uh, is. The whole team. Cool. So there's a whole bunch of uh, call for papers open. Apparently, like those those ones that we specifically mentioned, but there's a bunch in the states as well. And you know, as people, if people know of them, let us know. We'll retweet. Uh, we'll talk about it on the podcast. And speaking of apps of uh, AppSec Global AppSec DC, uh, I think we've got Abdullah and Ben coming on next week, right, Ken? Um, yeah. Two of the organizers. Yep. So yes. we'll get into it with them next week. If you've got questions about, you know, how it's structured or how it's actually run, you know, the AppSec conference, the global AppSec conferences are kind of interesting because they are run by the local chapters. So it's not necessarily the same people every time. It's not the same experience. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll I talk mean, to I'm, them next week. I'm personally interested to hear like what all goes into build or to, uh, you know, making a conference happen. 
You, you know what, actually, um, Canada, all the chapters, we all talk and kind of work together on things. We share speakers and stuff. And um, the Montreal chapter is putting a hard, hard effort into trying to um, say that they want to host AppSec Global. And they are the driving force behind NorthSec every year. Right. And then they've had their own individual local conferences and they're they want global AppSec in Montreal, like the first ever Canadian global AppSec conference. And um, Anne Gauthier, the leader, she is she has this huge team behind her. And she's like, yes, um, I would go to Canada. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I love there's a, that. Yeah. There, there's a great community up there. I like I, w I was there a few years ago for PyCon. Like oh, PyCon yeah. USA was hosted in Montreal, but it was awesome. I, they did such a good job. So I, I would I would love to see it there. Montreal is amazing. And I spoke at NorthSec and it's a sort of the same team, if that makes sense. And it was amazing. And it, it was like the whole thing was super fun. But I remember like when I first arrived, they're giving me a, a t-shirt and one of the organizers, uh, so I, I I go and I put on over my clothes and it's a woman's shirt, right? And it's or it's a fitted shirt, right? And a lot of conferences only have unisex shirts, which means man shirt. And um and so I was like, wow, it fits so well. And he's like, Oh my god, I'm wearing one of the women's shirts, aren't I? And then we both look at him and he's wearing a woman's shirt all day and like, so on the spot, he takes it off. <laughs> he's trying to get a new shirt, and I'm like, of course, someone gets naked in Montreal the first right. 10 minutes that I'm here, right? Yeah. Of course, of course, because it's Montreal, it's a party. It's just Montreal things, it's right? you do, I guess. Yeah, I it's inevitable. Someone topless in Montreal. <laughs> just <laughs> Anyway, I hope they get it. I would love that so much. And I'm yeah. trying to spread the word, bring Global AppSec to Canada. We okay. totally do. We totally go to Canada. That'd be a fun, that'd be a fun trip. Oh yeah. yeah. And Montreal is so beautiful and Anne's the best. Anyway, okay, I'm sorry. I'm off topic. I'm <laughs> there is no on topic here. But you'll find that we're, with this podcast. There is no. We're a super professional and it's high quality <laughs> as I look around at my hotel room. So yes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of travel, like, so, you know, I just got done with three weeks straight. So it was like Austin, then uh, Tel Aviv, and then. San Francisco with like a one day at home for each to do laundry and then repack. And so that, that has, that was absolutely, that has been absolutely brutal. Like trying like the sleep's all messed up. So my question is like, cause when I talked to you in loco moco sec, I think you were talking about being away for like three months with only like a week or two at home within that three week or three month period, Tanya. And so I'm curious, like, how do you cope with that? Just from like the time zone changes. Well, for time zones specifically, I read this book uh, and it's called Your Circadian Code. And it talks about um, when to show yourself bright blue light, when to reduce your light, when to eat and when not to eat. So whenever I don't follow the food rules, because for instance, someone's like, ooh, would you like this chocolate cheesecake? And I'm like, oh, that's yes. a great idea at 11 p.m. And eh, that's a bad idea. Um, <laughs> But if you follow all the rules um, of, you know, eating, fasting on purpose, 
until a certain time and then on purpose eating first thing in the morning where you land, even if you're like, oh, I don't want to see any food, just eating something. It tells your body, okay, the fast is broken and now is morning. Um, and definitely like on purpose, not having blue light. And then also just like being nice to yourself. Right. So <laughs> if you get to this really exciting new country, but you're really tired and you think you need a nap, maybe you should. Right. If you're super exhausted, I, it's okay. <laughs> like going to put. The... So if you, if, so if you have a feeling to take a nap, just take a nap is what you're saying. Um, I mean, that sounds like what everybody tells me is don't do that, you know, because no. they're like, Oh, you're going to mess up your sleep. No, only if you feel Sorry, like I'm you trying must to find that the circadian code or your circadian code. I read the audible book and the, the guy reading it, um, it felt like I was listening to an infomercial the entire show or the entire book. But after the first half hour, I could kind of zone out his annoying, like infomercial sound, if that makes sense. And then I was like, this book is actually really great. <laughs> it's, I really, um, I really liked it. <clears throat> Also, um, I'm going to travel less, which I think might disappoint some people. But um, yeah, going forward, I'm going to travel less and write more content because I love writing and I love making videos and I love doing things like this. And if you're traveling all the time, you just can't. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have learned that trying to run the OWASP DevSlop show from a hotel is borderline impossible. Trying to be able to stream in and out at the same time at a decent speed. I remember we streamed Katie um, Anton. She did an episode with us. She was obviously amazing. And, um, but unfortunately it took me like two days of trying to find a place that would have fast enough internet. And it was just so stressful. So we put the show on hold essentially for you know three or four months we would sometimes stream and sometimes not stream and it just became this huge mess but we started again as of yes uh, as of sunday we are now streaming every sunday again which is good very nice and also nancy and i are going to tag team it so it's not just tanya has to run every show nancy's going to do half the shows did i mention i love nancy <laughs> yeah, and you know we should probably back up and give you a proper introduction. Oh on, yeah, on this note. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the thing is like you're, I I honestly think you're the number one requested person to have on this show. Oh my so God. I feel like most people know who you are. You don't, you don't need like a, a super overly long um, introduction, but you know for those that aren't aware, Tanya <laughs> works for Microsoft. She's a cloud advocate, and um, she she also runs like well, there's a lot that you do, but there's so many things that you do, but one of the, <laughs> the things that we're talking about right now is Dev Slop, and uh, which is like, which is funny that whole title, that sloppy DevOps yeah. concept, but it has along with it, so it's an OWASP um, project. Correct me if I'm wrong, and, yes, and it, it has, like, yeah, you've got video streaming, like you said, where you write code live, which is, by the way, like, I don't think I could do that. You I just, just don't used think to it. It's a, it's hard. The first time we failed live, it was hard. But you know what? Um, it turns out that that's really encouraging for other people because one, people can see our problem solving skills, right? And so they learn like, and they can learn from our mistakes. Like there's this one episode where Nancy and I failed over and over again for two hours and we cut it down to 20 minutes. And you know, it's the intro of what we're trying to do. 
And then there's just words over top of the screen with us muted. Like first they tried this, it failed. First they tried that and it failed because of this. And like, you can just learn the lessons with us. And then you see at the end where we're both just super pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Nancy's much more like ladylike about it, but I'm just like, and it's like, okay, well it's dev slop, sloppy DevOps. And you know what? We don't always win, but if we only showed it to you when it was perfect, then that means you would go back to work and you wouldn't know what to do when it goes wrong. Right. And I've taken so many training courses where they have these little exercises and everything goes perfectly. And if there's, it's outside of the exercise for whatever reason, the teacher doesn't know what to do. And they're just like, just skip to the next exercise. And I'm like, no, this is literally the thing I'll do at work for three quarters of the day is this right now. And I need to understand why this will fail or like what happened or what log do I need to look in to see what's going on. And, um, a lot of people have commented that they think it's really good that we fail live sometimes and sometimes things don't work because then they know what things are really like. Yeah. And sometimes it's good too. Like we tried to install a tool, which I won't name because I don't like talking badly about tools, but we did three episodes and we could never get it to work. Um, and then we tried to install a different tool called Sneak, which I, I will say because I can say nice things about it. And it took only six minutes. And then my guest and I were like, what are we going to do for the rest of the hour? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so then that gives people, it helps people see like an accurate um, feel of how complex it is to use a certain thing. Does that make sense? Um, and does. that's, that's the thing that I really, really, really want to know if I'm considering purchasing a tool. Like, is this going to take my team six weeks to understand how to use? Is this going to take, you know, like, are, are we never going to get installed and we're going to have to pay a consultant to come in and install it? Because that's an extra cost they need to know about. And a salesperson is never going to tell you any of that. Of course not. No, no it, that it's would, super no. easy. It's all five minutes. Yeah. I, yeah. Nothing takes that long. It's perfect. And also it will like rub your shoulders and tell you you're pretty and it'll do anything that you've ever needed. <laughs> do you need a coffee? It'll go get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it will. No, I, I, like, like I think as an industry, like what, what, what you're talking about, it makes like, we see that all the time. Like this, like, perfection model that people hold up as like, Hey, look at this cool exploit that I did. And you read through the, the medium post or whatever it is on that. But what you don't see is that, you know, the 50 hours that they spent banging their head against a wall saying this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. You only see the one path where it does. Um, and that like, I think we do a disservice to people coming into the industry when we say, it's all, you know, rainbows and, you know, unicorns when it's really not right. It's like yes. people, they have to understand that it is hard, right? It's, it's not an easy thing that we're trying to do in, in, in any aspect. So, you know, I think that some people um, have a very distorted view of what security people do because of movies yeah. and <laughs> I think that, um, and also like, although I really like watching the show, Mr. Robot, I don't think it's helping our image either. Elliot and his black hoodie and like, they're all breaking the law and let's, let's burn it all down. Um, although that's amusing. Like, you know, people are like, oh, you're a hacker. You're not gonna hurt me, are you? And I'm like, no, no. But if I say I'm an AppSec 
engineer people are like, what? They have no idea what you're talking about, right? Who knows what that means? Yeah. I mean, we do, obviously, but that's because we're, we're all in the industry together. But it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's always that you're describing to, you know, you're getting a haircut. And they're like, oh, well, what do you do? And it's like, oh, I do... Uh, okay i'm just like i'm a hacker basically right like yeah. I, I don't know i teach developers right like you tr you try to explain it but they, the only thing they cue on to is the whole hacker bit right yeah but. yeah imagine trying to explain what i do this is this <laughs> is how i explain it and my girlfriends have told me to stop saying it like so i travel all around so i'm an ethical hacker and i travel all around the world and i teach people how to make more secure software and they're like you do what now? I'm like, I also have like a show on the internet. And then like, I run this, uh, I, you know, like I helped started and run this international women's org. And then also like I volunteer with a whole bunch of hackers around the world and then like help, you know, like them like do stuff. And then, you know, also like I sent a bunch of hackers this year to all the schools in Canada to help teach kids about security. And they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> They're like, don't say that. Don't, don't, don't say that. So they're like, you should just be like, I do computer stuff. <laughs> then, like, yeah. don't say that. And then you can go home. <laughs> don't say that because it sounds over, like you're an overachiever or don't say that because it's confusing <laughs> to the average person. <laughs> well, part of the um, me being away so long ended up with me being single. And so they're like, if you're going to meet a potential date, you know, you're terrifying already. <laughs> you're like, you're tall and you're cute, you're funny, you have all these things. And then you're like, by the way, I make more money than you and I'm smarter than you and more successful than you are when you dream about it. And I'm just like, that's my, that's my friend's, that's my friend's comment, not mine. And I'm like, I don't know if I should have to dumb myself down. They're like, maybe you should like, only say that over like the course of like 10 dates like really slowly just like at first you're like i kind of do like security stuff with like computers and then like just like a little i'm like i don't know <laughs> well, i think people get intimidated i mean Period. it's so weird i think everybody gets intimidated yeah. um in in various contexts uh when you know you're sitting, when, when you're, especially when you're dealing with someone who who has some level of success, it's uh, it can be, yeah. I think for everyone, um, at times, a little intimidating. I, I think that's part of why you see like <clears throat> you see uh, some some people nervous to talk to someone like yourself at a conference yeah. or please, you know, who they, people they, yeah. <laughs> it's so much more fun to talk with people than to be by myself. Yeah, I think Chris uh, Chris Gates, who is a good friend, been on the show a couple of times, um, he deals with it too. You know, he's had some level of uh, infosec rock starriness success. I don't know how to put it, but yeah, um, for him, you know, it's the same thing. Sometimes people are super shy to, to come up and, and chat and uh, yeah, but like, you know, we're all just people. I think actually, um, like on that topic, a, a way that, because we we're, were talking a bit before the show about how someone could be good at AppSec. And I think one of the things is to work on not being intimidating. Or if someone comes talk to you, 
you know, and they need security help, never make them regret it ever. Right. Like yeah. I, I worked somewhere once and I quit very quickly because the team I joined was just so awful and they were called an AppSec team, but I was the only one on the team that knew how to code and I, I was new and uh, I didn't understand that basically they used to do something completely different. And then they were all of a sudden being forced to do AppSec. <clears throat> and um, like they did paper assessments, like check boxes, like, did you do this? Did you do that? And that they didn't really understand a lot of the computer science behind what they were even asking. And so I came up to, I saw two of them in the hallway and they were going, like they're making faces like this. They're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, and they're both making faces at each other and then laughing. And then one of them's like, you know, that one's perfect. And they're like, and 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 I was like, what are you guys doing? And I'm new, right? And I'm trying to like make friends on my new team. And they're like, we're making faces, we're practicing our face that we'll make at software developers when they ask stupid questions so they know how effing stupid they are and they know not to ask again because they should know. And if they don't know, they need to go find out on their own because we don't have time for their crap. Ugh. And I told my manager on them <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I know their attitude could use some work. I'm like, I don't know, like, what are the rules for dismissal? Like, <laughs> you know what? Like, Cause they're going to meetings unsupervised. And then in my opinion, hurting software developers. Those are my people. No. <laughs> okay. So, and it's funny because I say personally, I've gone the opposite. So I was told by like talking about intimidating and, and whatnot, like my wife told me to basically like smile like a, like a fucking chimp. Right. Like I, like I need to smile because I get, because my, like my stern, like my face looks stern or whatever. So now I have to just like remember to smile. So I'm like constantly, feel like an idiot because I'm uh, like, I'll be in a meetings and I'm just like trying to make myself look more friendly. So I don't seem like an asshole and it's not easy and it's what you have to do, I guess. So it's like, a, it's a frustrating thing too on the opposite end. But I, I mean, to go the route of purposefully trying to look like a jerk seems bananas. That seems, I'm not sure which ones I would, I would rather obviously try to look nice and try to, yeah. Nice, but yeah, it's like, I don't know why you would purposefully try to, what does that accomplish? That's a, that's the, that's my question. Because um, the software developers would ask technical help and they didn't know the answers and they felt super insecure about it. And so their insecurity came out as anger. And, uh, and in my opinion was like ruining that team's relationship with the software developers. Like I was asked to create um, a, a secure coding standard and I was like, yes, that'll be awesome. I will write the standard. So this is what in my brain I felt I was being asked to do. I'm like, I will write up, you know, a rough draft. Then I will hold consultations with all the software developers and talk to them, be like, does this make sense? Is this possible? Like, am I being silly and unrealistic? Like, can you do this? And then after, then I'd hold lunch and learns and like lessons about it, right? And then tell them if you don't understand how to do one of these things, I will come help you. And then I want to make a wiki. So each item went out to a lesson about how to do the thing and then include like code samples for 
the because so that was like kind of a free for all where we had like eight different programming languages because it was like several IT departments that got all smushed together because of um, you know when a company absorbs other companies. Right. So they all got right. banged together and it's like, well, we're Ruby and well, we're .NET, well, we're Java and we're whatever. Right. So um, so then I wanted to add code samples and kind of like work on it as it continued over time. Right. And um, and I actually recently released that dream on my blog for free um, because that place didn't they didn't want me to do any of that, it turns out. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're like, you know, why would we teach it to them? We'll just throw it at them and then they have to learn it themselves. I'm like, you know, we could use honey or we could use vinegar. And I always start with honey. I try to attract people. I tried and they're like, it's hopeless, Tanya. They're completely uninterested and none of them want to work with us. And I'm like, well, I just got here and I already feel like it like so I really liked the manager a lot and uh, they transferred this woman from another team and I thought she was really cool but the people that had started there that were making the faces I felt like I had to work like I was doing what you did Ken where I was trying to smile at them like I was trying really hard to not show my utter contempt because <laughs> I was like because so, I was a software developer for most of my life, right? And I still write code. And to me, those are my people. And security people, I'm not so sure all the time that I belong, right? Like when I'm with AppSec people, I get it. But when I'm with other types of security people, like the old school people that are like, I have a paper checklist and you will obey my checklist and we will do this once per year and I will punish you if you don't follow it. But I will give you no guidance how to follow it. I just, I don't, I feel like I have an allergic reaction to that. And <laughs> yeah, no, I, I come across those, you're right, more, well, I mean, I, my experience lines up with your experience is what I mean. Like anything outside of uh, an AppSec conference, any conference typically outside of an AppSec conference, I'll run into people. Um, and like Seth and I have worked with folks that are from different, like not AppSec, but part of security from consulting and so you'll meet up with those folks get introduced to the folks they know and inevitably you'll find that kind of old school mentality of course which is you know it's not evolved it, it you know we evolve because we we realize what works and what makes sense and certainly that does not make sense uh to but it, it doesn't get what you want no right? it doesn't and like what what do we want we want secure software that's what yeah. we want so that's like what my job is to make happen whether it be i do the security testing or i bring in a consultant to to do the security testing or i spend my time building a pipeline that automates a bunch of things for me which is really slow at first but then maybe after six or eight months when i've got a bunch of pipelines built and they're running their code through it and i've helped them fix the things it finds then I come do some manual testing and we are more advanced and more advanced, right? Like whatever the thing is that gets me what I want, I can put my ego aside and then go do it. And I've seen a lot of companies where they're like, if we just throw a lot of money at this, maybe that will fix it. And I'm like, but you know, there are some problems that you can just throw money at, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I'm trying to think of one, like, I don't know, like I don't want to cook tonight. So I'll, I'll call food to be delivered and I'm going to throw money at that problem. For but sure. Some problems when you throw money at it, you just like the money just gets set on fire and disappears. And like, if you have 82 custom apps and you have like 
you know, let's say like $30,000. Okay, so you can hire a pen tester to come and pen test what three of them, right? So then you still have 78 insecure apps. And also do your developers even know how to fix the things they found, right? And so like, I feel, I feel like um, our industry is really, really pushing bug bounties as though that's like a first move instead of like a more advanced. Yeah. That is not a first move. That is not a first move. <laughs> oh no, they're, they're marketing that it is. I'm like, I don't want to pay a thousand dollars for like a cross-site scripting because you didn't even teach anyone how to use OWASP zap and just scan. Like at that place where they all had no faith, I created um, a lunch and learn. So I did my talk pushing left like a boss, which is what, what the heck is AppSec? And then, and then people win, people liked it. So then I did this super deep dive into cross-site scripting because I looked at all of our scan results from the past, you know, we had scan results for six years, which I think is kind of amazing. I've never got to look at that many results before, which was really cool. Um, and I looked at it, I'm like, okay, no one's using any security headers. And we are apparently huge fans of writing things that are vulnerable to cross-site scripting. Apparently that we are awesome at those two things. So, you know, I did the cross-site scripting lunch and learn and my boss is like, you know, she was feeling defeated. She's like, no one's gonna come, no one's gonna like it. And we had 400 developers and 21 people came. And she's like, that's such a failure. And I'm like, no, it's not. I can do this talk every week. I don't give a crap. The hardest part was writing it. Then it's just an hour and a half and sending an Outlook invite, right? Like yeah. we'll do one all the time. So I did it and um, people were like, oh, that's really cool. And it turned out one of the head text was there unbeknownst to me, you know, and after he thanked me and he's like, I'm going to go check some stuff out and see if we have some of this XSS of which you speak. And so he went and he checked some like legacy apps and then he told his team, go do that. So I'd given them the cross-site scripting, scripting, uh, cross-site scripting evasion, filter evasion cheat sheet. And I said, you copy this one at a time into all of the fields in your app. And then you see what happens. And he's like, we have 21 apps with a billion cross-site scripting in them. And guess what? We're doing a sprint next week. And my entire team, we're going to knock that out of every single app. And so, awesome. just, yeah. And he's like, and guess what else? We're going to call all the other teams and tell them to give us access to their apps. And we're going to do those. And we're going to stamp this bug class out. It's over. We're breaking up. <laughs> you know, and what's what's funny to, to ask? So we had Dave Ferguson on the uh, we had Dave Ferguson on the podcast, and he brought up an interesting point, and and that was the first time I'd heard anyone sort of advocating that training is sort of dead, like it's not, it's an, it's a, but I should I should give the full context. The point the point he was making is you know sort of that generic training um, okay. is kind of dead in the sense that he he's found that it doesn't help, and we've had a few people since that have said that, but. I think what, what they're, what, again, this is a generic OWASP top 10. What you're talking about is figuring out exactly what the vulnerabilities are that your, your group suffers from the most, and then targeting that with very specific training yeah. um, and doing that re in a repeated fashion so that you reach as many developers as possible. So yeah. um, I guess what I'm saying is like, there's the, there's the, the training that's not working maybe yeah. the OWASP top 10 generic stuff, and then more applicable, uh, more specific, what seems to be working is you know, yeah. the, the approach you took. 
I also wanted to use the training to make myself and my team approachable. So I would make my team show up and I'm like, see that guy, Eric, he's really good at this. If you are having trouble with this, call Eric. If you need to scan, call Catherine. She could scan anything ever. You just let her know when she's there. And um, it, you know, people, none of the developers knew who they were, right? And so then people started writing us and and asking like, oh, I need this. Or like, how do I, how do I ask for that? We're like, let me tell you, right? Kind of like going and making friends. Also, um, I used to work somewhere else and we had had, um, We'd had a whole bunch of incidents and I, I went and I looked at, again, metrics, measurements, because that is how I roll. And we had a lot of AppSec problems, um, but we also had a lot of different areas of IT just not understanding what we wanted from them. So we created custom training for each different type of work. So the sysadmins, we talked with them about, you know, what is multi-factor and like, what, why do you actually need it? And like, why you shouldn't use your regular login that you use your, you know, to access your email and surf the web to also do administrative tasks. And then we had one for help desk. Like, if you see something like this, just call, just call, don't unplug it, don't do anything. And um, the lead incident manager had told them like, that he had found kitty porn on um, like a person's computer. And he's like, you can never unsee that. And I don't ever want any of you to ever see that. That's not your job. That's not your responsibility. And that's not fair. So you call me and then we call the police and like professionals where this is their responsibility do this. And I never ever want any of you to have a thing in your life you can't unsee because I didn't train you properly. So this is our responsibility. You just hand it off and we will thank you. And um, it became where they knew what to do and they knew who we were and they knew we really, really wanted to help because um, we'd had a help desk person. We'd had two help desk people try to manage incidents themselves because they didn't understand they could call upon us. And one of them had caused this crazy panic. He had, he, he had somehow got on a call with like all of the chiefs of the whole IT department across the country and then told all of them that a building had was infected with malware. A First building all, was no one, no one like had the building malware. system. No, he he yeah the building. So even though we were all one network, <laughs> he was convinced that that building had caught malware. Those were the words. Um, yeah, which is obviously like we know that's not true, but the chiefs didn't know. And I had been late to that meeting because I had a dentist appointment or something. And I show up and they're all losing their minds. And like <laughs> buildings don't catch malware. And they're yeah, like, so it's a smart building. And are they saying, oh, okay. So it's so no, no, but it wasn't literally saying that the building itself. No, he was saying that the network within that building had caught it, but the rest of us hadn't. Okay. Uh, he was suggesting severing the lines. I was like, no. So it turned out what happened was the Olympics. And just everyone was watching. So they had told them, like, don't watch the Olympics at work. If you want to watch the Olympics, you take a vacation day. But the Olympics aren't one day in Canada. You know, some of us like that. And so every single person was streaming it from their desk in the whole building. While in our building, we had made watching stations. So you could watch the Olympics in the big boardroom and we're like, yo, don't mess with our network. But the other, like, whoever led the stuff in that, 
office had said, no, blah, 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 grouchy, grouchy, grouch. Um, and so every single person apparently had been streaming it and the network basically died. And then not understanding any of this because they didn't call the incident team um, reported that the building had caught malware. Yeah, and then, oh my gosh, then I had all these chiefs outside in front of the staff talking about how a building had caught malware. Everyone's freaking out. I'm like, I need you to follow need to know. Do you think all those administrative assistants need to know? And they're like, why didn't you tell us this, Tanya? I'm like, cause it's not true. <laughs> because I don't tell you my worst fears about an incident before I'm fully briefed and I know what's going on because that is not. <sighs> so wow. we decided to do training. And so from then on, that person from Help Desk knew, call me. I got this. I got you. We will handle this for you. And then we could have told him, oh, it's the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> just just go, go to the boardroom, put it on, tell everyone to go in, problem over. <laughs> so to, to yeah. sort of circle back to, oh, sorry, Seth. No, no, I was I, I was going to circle back a little bit too, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I feel like what you're getting at is that like relationships matter, right? When we're trying to fix this stuff, right? A across the board from a security perspective, right? We don't, like, we have to build those relationships with the developers or with the sysadmins or whoever that we're dealing with. Because if that's not there, they don't know who we are. They won't know where to go. And then, then you have those sorts of problems that exist and that crop up, right? That's what the companies are paying us to do, right? I, like, at least that's what I'm taking from what you're saying. Oh yeah, 100%. And I realize that um, I'm an extrovert and I love people. So this is a much more difficult thing to ask of some security people, but being social and making sure people know that they can come to us, I think is the most important thing because when you have a security team that is not available, that doesn't want to answer questions or doesn't answer questions in a timely manner, what happens is you have a team that rolls their own encryption. I worked somewhere and the security team apparently didn't want to help and they're like, you should know to the developers. And then the developers are like, oh, don't worry, we handled it. I'm like, hey, that's cool, I'm new. Can you show me how you handled it? You know, like me with my body language of my hands out, I am not attacking, I'm curious and I want to know. And then they were Bay 64 encoding something twice. And ah. yeah, and then I explained what a capture the flag contest is and how they're really cool and fun, but that that would be like a level one challenge for us. That would be a thing that we immediately, like a, a bad actor would immediately be like, oh, let's see. And then I, you know, was like, do you want to see it in Burp Suite? I can show you how it takes like, you know, like 10 seconds for me to figure that out. I'm like, you press this button and then you press that button. And he's like, yeah. And, but, but then I was like, can I, can I help you do it a better way? And he's like, yeah. And then it was cool. And then we're a friend, right? And then I helped him. And then he helped me because he trusted me and he told me, right? And that company where I worked, they loved AppScan. They would AppScan the crap out of everything, but they rarely hired external pen testers because of budget. So who knows if that would have just gone out live, 
right? And that could have resulted in bad stuff. And, um, you know, I think, although, you know, the security team that was like, you know, I think there's a lot of insecurities, like we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of insecurities. And I feel like the best way to make friends is let people know, like, if you admit a mistake, I'm not, I'm not going to rub your nose in it. I'm going to say, okay, cool. So we made a mistake. So how do we fix it? Right. And that's part of failing on the dev slop show. Like it's a, like Nancy says, it's a place where it's okay to make mistakes, right? Like we have this big pipeline and we mess around with it, but then the things we learn, we take and we put into prod systems, right? And it's like an experimentation, which is a big part of DevOps, right? Like run experiments, fail fast, but do it safely. And we can do this with security too, right? Like we, we do all sorts of silly things. And it makes us more approachable. I mean, to, to sort of, yeah, I mean, that's sort of to, to I'm going to try and summarize. So because, you know, the original question Way was off. like, sorry, how to, how to become a better app. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm actually, no, that was great. I'm going to try and summarize. So the question was, you know, how do you become better and a better app set practitioner? And what I'm hearing from you is um, relationship building. If you work in like one of the, the, the things um, that the person who asked this question had mentioned was like um, going to somewhere that has a good culture to figure out what it looks like. And that's fine. But it sounds like from your, from your experience, you went into a place that didn't have a good culture. You went in yeah. and you saw the problem and you fixed it by, by doing that, by, by being proactive, creating relationships, helping and assisting with answers. Yeah. creating training that was targeted towards the very issues that they face over and over and over and over again, it sounds like, yeah. rather than, you know, well, you guys are stupid. You should know how to fix this. Yeah. Um, so is, I mean, is that, is there, I'm trying to think if there's anything we want to, is there anything you want to add to oh, that? Uh, lots of things. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've only got, <laughs> only got an hour so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I guess, well, wasn't there, weren't, weren't there other questions too? Wasn't there? There was another one about diversity and inclusion. Like yeah. how do, how do you become an advocate for DNI or, you know, diversity and inclusion? Um, so if you are a person who is from an underrepresented group, it's a lot easier than if you are a person who is not from an underrepresented group because you are having the things happen to you. So then it's easier for you to see they're happening, right? Um, but, uh, and then understand that it's a problem, right? But for people who aren't um, faced with that, sometimes it's hard to see and know. Um, in one of my exit interviews, my boss who was Asian, so my whole team was Asian and I'm white, but my whole team was men and I'm a woman. And at the end, of the exit interview, he said, so I guess sexism in IT isn't really a problem anymore. And in my interview, he had asked if I was currently pregnant, trying to get pregnant, if I had children or was planning on children, oh which is illegal in Canada. Big uh, time. I mean, that should, I would assume that's illegal everywhere. I mean, yeah, it's not cool. Right. So um, I would like to note that he wasn't really sexism free <laughs> in his opinions. And 
So, you know, I guess that isn't a problem anymore. And then I really, really gently put my hand on his shoulder and I said, you know how I'm white and you're not white. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, imagine if I thought racism didn't exist because it wasn't happening to me. And because I didn't think that the things I did were hurting people. Like I meant well, but I didn't see because no one told me. And then he said, I think I understand a lot of things in a new way. And then we kind of shook on it and I left. And it was sort of this weird magical last moment there. And I quit specifically because of that individual and a hundred things that he just, he wouldn't, he just couldn't see. And it wasn't just sexism. It was like, just like how to run an AppSec program that is, or how to run a pen testing program that isn't awful. Um, but uh, it's a bit of tone deaf. Yeah. Ask but, that but, question, you know, to begin with. But but knowing that, but just, like, but just realizing that like there are things that um, that don't that we don't see, and realizing that we don't see them. Like I'm a tall, slender, pretty white woman, right? And and I and also. I make good money now. Like I did not always do that, but I do that now. Right. And so when I go in to do things, I get treated differently. And I have a friend and she is, she's obese and she's really large. And she's like, it is not the same when I go in and ask for a thing. And then you ask for a thing. I don't get the word yes. Every single time I go anywhere, Tanya, because I don't have this smile all the time and I don't like wear dresses and I don't have an hourglass figure. And then, you know, like, she's like, you don't realize how many doors just get like on a social level or like, even just like, I don't know, like I'll get offers for free drinks or free food or whatever. And like, I'll just go into a club and they're like, you don't have to pay. And I'm like, great. <laughs> and she's like that. None of that happens to me. Men don't hold doors for me. These are not things like these are, this is a privilege that you have being cute. They're like, oh, that's really important that I understand that so that I see like that these are not things that are available just, just the same way that I'm very assertive. And so in IT, I get treated a lot differently than a lot of other women because I used to play music and music is very sexist and it is overtly sexist. And it's- Yeah, you were a folk singer, which you don't really, I mean, I don't know if people know, know that. I don't know if you talk about it all the time, but yeah, you were a folk singer. Yeah, I was a folk singer and I released five albums and then I did uh, punk rock and hardcore for a bit. And do you want to know a place where it is hostile? <laughs> Like I have, I have had all sorts of interesting situations, like having people smell me and say I'm not allowed in, <laughs> and me having to yell and scream and be very aggressive to get basic treatment because, like, I played at like this hardcore festival and people were like, "You don't belong," and I'm like, "Actually, I'm the show." Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> just don't know it yet. So put your preconceived notions away and get out of my way. And they're just like, uh, um, and so then in IT, if someone is trying to do some sort of gatekeeping thing to me, it's a joke compared to the previous gatekeeping I have experienced, right? So- I've heard that about entertainment, that that's like the, the hardest place, uh, you know, the worst oh, place for that. Holy crap, oh yeah. And so um, in IT, like for me, I'm like, oh, just, right? Um, but 
one, you shouldn't have to be bulletproof to work in IT, right? You shouldn't have to have this thick outer skin. Uh, and two, um, I want I want there to be a place for everyone, right? Like the only thing you need to work in IT is to you know be smart, you know, want to work hard and like solving problems. You probably need some patience too, as we discussed with the failing earlier. But like, you just need to have that mathematical brain to solve problems. But instead, I feel like, you know, people are like, oh, you have to like be good at video games. I've had people say like, oh, you don't play games. I'm like, no, I have a life. Like, if you yeah. want to shame me, I'll shame you right back. Is that what you want to do? <laughs> I'll be a jerk because you're being a jerk. They're like, why are you being a jerk? I'm like, I feel like you started it. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen Star Wars. I just, I don't know. I watched the beginning and I was like, I don't like it. It's not me. And that doesn't mean Star Wars isn't awesome. It's just not awesome for me. All right, so you're saying that because you don't do what the group does or the group, what some people believe that the group does, then you're not a, you're not a real hacker or something. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. I feel like there's this um, subculture of what a nerdy geeky person is like, like you need to read comics. Um, For instance, you're not, super into fitness, like that's not a thing, but I know lots of really successful computer science people that are super fit and like they run races or they lift weights or they just do self care in regards to like being active. That's nothing you should ever be ashamed of. That's awesome, right? But for whatever reason, people are like, oh, he's a jock, he doesn't belong. And I'm like, actually like stop that gatekeeping. I see you with your gate. Uh-uh. <laughs> I want everyone to come. And I think part of diversity and inclusion is realizing and like not allowing for that sort of activity. Like um, I hired this student named Katie. Katie, if you're listening, I love you. And uh, <laughs> what is the, oh no, sorry. That's a different person. Cause I was going to say na- na- it was Nancy. No, no, uh, no Nancy. Nancy no, Nancy's, Nancy's never worked for me, but we also love Nancy. Um, And of course they know each other, but um, you know, Katie's this really awesome person and, um, and she was hired and she wasn't in the room and like, but my whole team was getting into the elevator and I was the boss and they're joking about how, um, you know, that I haven't seen Star Wars and they're like, we're going to take away your nerd card. And I'm like, I run the OWASP chapter and the only capture the flag in our city every year. Yo, I will accept all your nerd cards, bitches. And then we're all laughing. And then I was like, more seriously though, if you say that to Katie, I will murder all of you. And by murder, I mean, be a jerk and stop bringing in homemade banana bread. And they're like, <laughs> what? No, we're just kidding. I'm like, no, I hear like, we're kidding and we're tossing it back and forth and I've known you, right? But Katie doesn't feel accepted on our team yet. You dummies forget to invite her for coffee like most of the time. And they're like, oh, well, it's just that, I'm like, no. No, you're not making her feel included. And I know like half of her head is shaved and she has blue hair and she wears a leather jacket, but she is my person and I hired her because she's amazing, right? And you will make her feel included. And I know the other student I hired, he's awesome too, but he is like the stereotype of a nerd, right? And I'm like, you do not include him more than her. You don't do that. And I'm like, you making a joke like that? And they just still didn't get it. I'm like, okay, so imagine, and then I named like a bunch of... um women that, that worked in our IT department. I'm like, imagine we were all your teammates and one of you is on our team. 
And we're like, oh yeah, we all wear pink on Thursdays and we get our nails done every Friday. And then we do yoga at lunch on Mondays and Tuesdays. Like, and then if you didn't want to do it, we're like, you don't really belong. And then we told you that for 20 years because people have been telling me I don't belong. Like literally constantly people are like, you don't really look like, you know, a security like engineer. You don't really look like a badass hacker. You don't, you know, you show up in your cute little pink dress and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's because you don't look like a hacker. You don't look you, like one, you act like on one. The note of, on the note of yoga, if, if for you guys out there, if you ever want to know what it feels like to be a female at, at um, you know, and by the way, this is sort of the note that, that with women in AppSec, when, you know, they were, when Vandy was running her course for women only yeah. um, at, uh, in Tel Aviv, there was some backlash. I want to say backlash. There was like one person who was, you know, like, oh, why is this women only? It should be all underrepresented groups. And the, the point was like, well, do you know what it feels like to be a woman at a predominantly male, you know, conference? And if you want to know what that feels like, I go to yoga. I just did it this morning. Nice. And uh, out of 45 people, I'm lucky if there's one other guy in there. Yeah. And it feels weird. Yeah, there's no way around it. Like I've done it. I've been doing it for months now. And it, yes. every time it's the same. It, it feels, it feels, it feels weird, a little uncomfortable because you know, you're the only, like tip, typically I'm the only male in there. Did Maybe you, there's one other person. And it's did a little. You know yoga was invented by men for men. No, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, like way back in the day, that's what it was made for. And then slowly women are like, this is awesome. And then in North America, for whatever reason, men feel they're not welcome. So guess what, men, please come. We want you. Not just yeah, see, we don't want but, you. But that's the whole point, right? Is that, you know, there's, it's, there's, you, there's some level of you you have to you have to be okay with being like yeah this is a little it, it is a little scary let's just say it it's a little scary when you have to go in and you're the one person and you're in a huge huge class and you know it's all opposite sex or it's all opposite okay. race or it's all whatever different right now imagine some way. that all of them are physically stronger and larger than you and could kill you with their bare hands if they wanted to and they are attracted to you and you're probably not attracted to them. And it is like that every day, all day. Then imagine going to a meetup and they have alcohol. Yeah. Then yeah. imagine they all go out and do things together without you. And they are the ones deciding how much you get paid. And they are deciding how, when you get promoted or not. Now imagine that happening to you every day for 22 years. That is my career. Yeah. I mean, that takes, that shouldn't take, it, should, it shouldn't need to be a thing where like you had mentioned, you know, where you need to be bulletproof or strong enough, but yeah, yeah I mean, you have absolutely have ha had to be that way. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I, I mean, that's part of the why DNI means so much in, mm -hmm. you know, trying to, like, I love the question. The question was, how do I become a better advocate for that? And yeah. I, I think that's part showing of the thing, awareness. Part of the thing is just asking. So um, <clears throat> so I'm part of WOSEC, Women of Security. Um, and we're an international group of women that just want to make more women friends in security and, and, and be 
non-binary folks, like if you identify as female at all, just come on down. We're excited to have you. Um, we encourage trans women because trans women are women. Um, and any, and it just come on down, right? And then we just like hang out and we will go to meetups together as a group so no one's alone. And we will have brunches where we brunch and bitch. <laughs> and we will have like women only learning opportunities like what Vandana Verma did at Global AppSec in Israel so that you can feel safe to, you know, maybe ask that super beginner question that you might not feel comfortable asking in front of men. And the idea is, is that if we have this, you know, group of like different women that are our friends that they're more likely hopefully to want to stay working in STEM, in security. And, and also that, you know, you can ask someone like, is this weird? Or like, have you handled this? How would you handle this? Like, and we, and I have been discovering all sorts of things that um, I did not understand. So, you know, trans women have shared a lot of information with me that I didn't understand because I was just born this way, right? Like, I just got to be born the gender I, I want to be. So it kind of, first of all, I'm like, I'm pretty grateful now. It worked out really well. <laughs> like so many things they have to go through that I don't have to go through. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I have so much empathy now. And, but also things like, ironically, one of my lesbian gay friends who is very obviously very much so lesbian. Like no one's like, oh, maybe she, maybe she likes dudes. No, it's very obvious the first moment you meet her that that's the case. And I was telling her about how I've had multiple bosses make passes at me and then being like having my career really damaged because of it. And um, like one boss gave me the silent treatment for four months. Like wow. no team meetings, no nothing. I would send him HR questions, like things that, like, could you approve my vacation? No response for four months because like his ego was hurt. And she, it blew her mind that that would be a thing that I'd have to deal with. Like, she's like, no, but how could a boss like hit on you and not think like automatically, like that because of the power situation that that's inappropriate. Like it, were you spending lots and lots of time outside work? I'm like, no, I'm talking about like coming to my cubicle and making a pass. Like, it's like, you understand I can't leave. You understand right. I, I have to speak to you, right? It'd be different if we're spending all this time outside of work together and like we have a personal relationship and then asking then is totally different, right? And so it blew her mind because this is not a vector she's ever dealt with. So I think if we want to be good at diversity, one of the things is like, making space for conversations where someone can share and then you can learn because like I talked about the me too thing at Swiss Cyberstorm with a, a bunch of the organizers and I told them that I don't know a woman in Canada that hasn't been sexually assaulted oh, and they're wow. like what I'm like I just don't I don't think I know one that hasn't wow. at least had or, or, or physically assaulted by their partner at some point in their life or a male in their life. And they were just like, wait, what now? What? And, and when it, when, um, so the, all of them apparently went home and spoke to their wives and they're like, I need you to tell me everything. I need to understand. I need to know when I do wrong. I need to like, and it made them so much more aware and they were completely shocked. Like, I'm like, I fell asleep on the bus one day and woke up to someone grabbing my boobs. And it, then now I can't sleep on public transport. I can't sleep because that scared me so badly. And like, when you see, you know, like a man on a bus and he's like having this nice little sleep, it's like, 
that option is not open to me now because I'm afraid that will happen. Right. And um, like, it's just like, they don't, it's, they don't even realize like the, the wonderful privilege they have. And I'm glad that men are safe on buses, but what I want is for women to also be safe on buses. Right. And so if we talk about things and even though it's uncomfortable, like I've had people explain things to me that I have done wrong and I've been open to hearing it, even if I really didn't like it. Um, so I'll give you an example of where I did something wrong that now I know was wrong. And I know we're at one o'clock, so I'm going to like wrap up really fast, but. No, no I, rush, no rush. No rush. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I was giving a workshop and just training people how to use OWASP zaps at attack proxy and the settings for your scan intensity are low, medium, high, and insane. And, um, and I was like, so if you wanna get crazy with your scanning and just be completely excessive and go over the top, you click insane. And after um, I got a message from one of the attendees and it said, you know, I, I, really liked, I really liked it until that moment. And like, it's unfortunate that the tool has a word that implies like that people with mental illness, you know, are excessive and over the top and like that it's, you know, um, I can't remember the exact way the words the person expressed it, but basically that that had hurt them. They're like, but then when you said, if you wanna get crazy and crazy is a word that hurts us, it's, you know, like if someone calls a woman the B word, that, that that's a word meant to hurt you specifically as a female, right? And it And it's meant hatefully, like when, when I say, you know, we have brunch and we brunch and bitch, we're complaining, we're using the word in a different way. But if someone calls a woman that word, it's it's meant specifically to hurt them as a female. And like, so then you using the word crazy, like I was having such a good time. And then all of a sudden I felt like I wanted to crawl into the wall and I felt really bad that I felt like, oh, she's judging me. And of course I had no idea this person had mental illness and there's actually several people in my life that have mental illness. And that person filling out that, that feedback form anonymously and letting me know, I've never said it like that again, right? And also um, I've reached out to two people in my life who have mental illness um, and, and asked them like, oh my gosh, am I like saying things that hurt your feelings and I'm unaware like a dum-dum? Because I want you to know I 100% love you and the way you are is perfect. And if I've ever been insensitive, like you need to teach me so I do the right thing because I never want to make you feel hurt or judged or like I think you're less than 100%. And um, the conversations went really well with the two people in my life and they're like, oh my gosh, Tanya, you're like you've never made me feel that's why I shared it with you. Right. But now I'm so much more aware of that vector. It never occurred to me that just like I was, you know, making a joke that they would call it insane. And so then I actually spoke to the Zap team about it and then they were crushed. They had told they had not realized and they're like, OK, so we're going to figure out like a new way to word that, like maybe, you know, excessive or complete or absolute or something else. Right. And. So just by being open to having those conversations, like when I talked to the Zap team, they were so open and they were so like kind of heartbroken to find out that that had hurt someone's feelings. Cause obviously like, you know, the, the Zap team works really, really hard on making a tool that they want to be for everyone, right? And because that person felt safe enough to share that with me. So, you know, making it, um, telling people that's okay to talk to you and that you want to hear those things, even if it might 
make you feel bad at first, then you can improve and become better. And so I have shared that story a bunch of times because it has helped a bunch of other people realize you know, the way that we use those words, like it can really hit home for people in the exact opposite way that we intend. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it all goes back to that relationships that you're talking about, like being open enough to actually have the discussions. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I feel that like that goes a long way and then being willing to take the feedback. I mean, we expect that of developers, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, they've spent all this time on their code yeah. And you're coming in, at, like, if you come in and tell them that their baby is ugly, that, like, of course, that's going to damage that relationship, uh, right? And it, yeah. it would be the same thing. Like, you know, we, you know, me and Ken, we put a lot of time into the course. We could put a lot, a lot of time into teaching and other things. Like, I, yeah, I, it would hurt my heart if I'm, like, if somebody came to the course and then didn't feel safe in asking questions, right? Or, yeah. and, like, if I said something and offended them, that then I'm not doing my job. I'm not accomplishing what I should be accomplishing. And so I, like, I, I, like I have a hard time. I, I, you know, I love it when I see, you know, people that aren't like me in my courses or in my talks or on the podcast, because it means that there's another view there. Like I don't, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, any of us, like we, we don't know everything. Right. And we're, we're coming at it from our experience level. And that that's the only thing that we have to draw from. So if something's wrong, tell us. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, I, I mean, honestly, like there's no, there's no way to get better. It, unless we know, right? Um, so I like, I, I appreciate what you're saying about like, um, just recognizing the privilege that comes with being who you are. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have a, a whole lot of privileges now because of all the public speaking and my public profile. And I've actually been working really, really hard to share my power. So when I speak at conferences, I'm like letting other women stay in my room with me for free so that they can attend too. And, um, you know, bringing Nancy with me to AppSec Global because she was on stage with me, then she got in free to the conference, right? Yeah. And so I feel too, like a lot of it is sharing our privilege with other people. If you can, if you have that possibility, like share your privilege with others and share your power for good. Well, yeah, it goes back to like the mentoring stuff we've talked about, like, mm -hmm. you know, in the past and just like helping others and lifting others up yes. and introducing them to other things. Because if, if you've never had the ability to actually use a computer, right, like, you know, us in the industry, that's like basic, basic, but there's, you know, millions, if not billions of people that, have, that don't have that opportunity. So yes. you, you've got to share that out somehow uh, and, you know, lifting others up and it makes us all better in the long run. Yes, and you two are doing that with the show. So thank you. Trying. You are, you are. What you're doing is good work. Thanks, it's a bit difficult. Uh, I find at times to find the line. Um, being ex-military and uh, being a blunt person, uh, it's hard to, to find, um, To well, like you said, it, there's so many things that I'm sure I say that, uh, you know, what Seth said, echoing that back, you know, you kind of have to, speak or i don't want to say that like i'll do my best but you know i do my best but i'm almost like 36 now and seth's in his 40s things have changed yeah i mean i think that's one thing to to to, to wait, sort wait, of like wait a day i'm gonna jerk. yeah sorry i'm in my 40s you know, right? too don't feel bad seth i'm with you oh, okay, I, okay. I, I, we could commiserate in melbourne when we were up there okay <laughs> i'm not using this as a cop-out i'm saying what i'm saying is that I guess what I'm trying to say is that we're like, I know I'm still trying to evolve. Um, yeah. 
it, it's not a thing where like, you know, it's hard. I can speak for myself. I'm not perfect at all. Things have changed drastically. Like since in the sense of for the better um, terms, when I was, you know, early adult there, you know, for a good reason, uh, we've changed our language. We've um, evolved our thinking. Having said that, there are still times when, like you said, you might use the word crazy, mean nothing of it, and that turns out to be something that, uh, tr you know, gets somebody upset and uh, can be seen as offensive. So you just sort of have to like, um, and, it, and it is sometimes it's, it, you know, it's finding that line between, you know, uh, am I doing something wrong? Because um, certainly there are, cert there, there are definitely people out there, um, and I'm not saying that this was the case with the person that came up to you at all, quite the opposite. But there are certainly the cases where there are some people who just don't like you. They just yeah. don't like you and they're going to be upset. With, with, oh, with, yes. With, with I get upset. to experience that as a public figure. Yeah, I bet you do. Anybody with any, like I said, you, Chris Gates, anybody, Daniel Meisler, anybody, um, and I'm not saying anyone said anything bad about any, any of you, but when you hit that certain level of, I guess I'll call it infosec rock starriness, you definitely, yeah, you're going to feel that. You're going to feel the, there's going to be people that know about you, so they don't, they don't like you for whatever reason. Oh, well, it's yeah. Good, yeah. When I... When I was a musician, um, I released my third album and I went from like less punk rocky type of folk to a more like uh, traditional type of folk music. And I used the F word less. Uh, and it just like, it was like, it changed the feel. And my sister had like redone my website for me. So it was like less punk rock and more like what she felt would be like more professional looking. And um, I went to a show and these these teenage girls had made a zine. So I don't know if you know, back in the day, people would make like little tiny magazines out of paper and photocopy them at their school and then sell them for a dollar or two. And they'd made a zine about my new album and it was me and I was ripping off my skin and a wolf came out. And it said <laughs> that my new album had ruined all of folk music for the entire planet. <laughs> and then I'd like ruined the music scene and it was like pages and pages. And so obviously I bought one and then I asked them if they could review my discography because that's how I roll with my humor. <laughs> and I was so flattered that I would get more than one page in their little zine and the poor girls, they were so afraid of me. Like, and I was like totally cool about it. And I'm like, can I buy this? And I was wearing a hat, I guess. So, and my hair was like tucked up in my hat and they hadn't recognized me. And then Someone said, you know, that's Tanya Janka. And they both went and they just ran out of the bar. It's <laughs> like, it's okay. We're not upset. I'm actually so flattered that like you could hate my new album that much because that means it's powerful. Right? Yeah. And sometimes you have to have a sense of humor about it. Um, but sometimes like things do really hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes you can't have a super positive. I ended up sending them all my albums. Because I just, I wanted to like be nice and also like, <laughs> I just found it really funny. And like, I'm so excited 16 year old girls are showing up at punk rock festivals and that they've made little paper magazines. Like, I'm like, yes, go girls, go get them. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's true. Not everyone is, is voting for us. No, no, no. I mean, it's going to happen, but you know, yeah. take the good with the bad, but um, hopefully there's more good. Um, 
and less bad. <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't I feel like we should have like an intro, like we should have put like an intro on here with your music, right? Before we started the podcast. Is oh well there's lots online. I'm on iTunes. Um Sweet. Yeah, my my last band that I did that recorded music was called Zero Day Reapers. Nice. And we did electro punk rock, and we have a song called Heartbleed. Maybe a good one. <laughs> we have another one called Threat. Threat Risk. We'll, we'll, we'll have to find some links for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, yeah. I know we're about you know fifteen minutes over, right? Like, but um, we do like to keep it. Tanya, I don't feel like we got to anything. I'm gonna I'm be sorry. honest. Like we, no, no, it's it's great. This is always what happens to us. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us about your life and like what you've experienced and you know how we can be better and everything, like everything that you're doing. I think you're you know driving the conversation further and further in multiple aspects. And you know we can't wait to see what you do next. Oh, um, you. There, there's always an open invitation if people wow. like decide you're too public or whatever, right? You gotta you know, come back. Yeah, you gotta come back at some point, right? Like, we'd love to have you. We'll give you a little time, you know, like two weeks, right? Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, like, I, I know we didn't really talk, you know, we talked a little bit about DevSlop, but, you know, for sure, you know, there's other things that we could dive into. Um, yeah. All and the stuff that goes on to your blog. You could have Nancy yeah. and I, and maybe, I don't know if Francisco would come or Nicole, but if either of them are free or Abel. So Abel's like kind of rejoining the project now because he like he was busy doing some other stuff. So he's kind of coming back. So that's cool. I know he's on the website. Okay. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll send out an email because I, I think it would be interesting to talk through DevSlop like in more detail yeah. um, and do a, you know, kind of a full episode on that. So maybe get the full project together. Um, Ken and I will talk about it and we'll send some emails. But... Okay, cool. I would love that. <laughs> Otherwise, thank you again. Um, Ken, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about today? Uh, you know, I you know, I know we had a lot that we wanted to talk about, but like in this in this period. No, just that well, I'll say that um for those that have uh, I'm I'm I owe a lot of emails and DMs and a lot of responses and Again, going back to the fact Tanya tra has traveled so much, I don't know how she does it. Like, uh, I've been on the road for three weeks straight, so emails have suffered, Twitter DMs, all that stuff has suffered. So I, I owe people responses. We, we will get to those. Um, but yeah, mostly just thank you, Tanya, for your time for helping to improve the community, everything you're doing, all the outreach and the edit. You know, all the work as an advocate and and the outreach. Uh, I think that you're one of those people that are. Uh, um, pretty pivotal and, and like Seth said, changing the conversation um, uh, or driving the trying. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly trying. So. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you to the audience members that sent questions and requested me because that made that ha this happen. So that's amazing. I'm so flattered that people that, that anyone would ask. So thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you very much. And I look forward to more excellent adventures with Seth and Ken. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks again. Tanya. Cool. All right, we'll see everybody next week. Okay, bye everyone. Bye.